Well, thank you everybody for joining our third coffee chat that Intern Dow has been hosting part of our interview series. Today we have Redacted Cartel, one of the most interesting projects that I've personally come across and that Intern Dow really loves. Uh, we've got Sammy and the official Redacted Cartel Twitter with us today to discuss, you know, everything from where Redacted is going to where DeFi is going, to all the new mechanisms that people are trialing out. From InternDAO, we've got myself, we've got Xerox Liquid Monster, and we've got DCF Intern, who will be asking all of the smart questions that we put together in preparation for this. So with that, I will let Xerox Liquid Monster kick it off, give an intro, and then Sammy can give a quick intro, and then Redacted Cartel can give a quick intro. And the redacted, the, the redacted Twitter is just me on my other phone. <laughs> well, then, Sammy, you'll be talking twice. Yeah. All right. So, Sammy and uh, Liquid Monster, why don't you kick it off? Thanks, Avi. Um, welcome, everyone. So, just a bit about my background. Um, from... Uh, uh, from tr from traditional um, uh, traditionally, I'm a technical product manager, but moving into the PM role at a crypto fund now. Um, DCF intern. Seems like he's having a bit of a tech issue. So, Sammy, why don't you go? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, what's up, everyone? Sammy, uh, one of the co-founders of Redacted. Um, <clears throat> been in the crypto space for a while now. Uh, mostly focused on like the research and analysis side prior to this was working with like a few um, layer ones, some DAOs, obviously most recently Masari um, <clears throat> then, you know, decided it's time to graduate from the analysis side and dive headfirst into, you know, the, the DAO space launching and building cool stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Sammy. So it's it's great to be chatting with you. Redacted is definitely something special. Um, you're building something that doesn't exist in traditional finance, and I'm stoked to be discussing it with you today. So as much as possible, I'm going to try and ask questions that won't get you repeating content you've discussed in prior interviews. Um, so first off, as I understand that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go a bit about you and then move on to Redacted and then to um, DeFi in general. So... As I understand it, uh, you took a bit of an unorthodox route to higher education. You skipped undergrad and went straight to a postgraduate degree. Were you the youngest in your program? And how was the environment like being so young in the program? Yeah, I actually think, yeah, it was, it was definitely, I, I don't think I was the youngest one. I think there was like a few other people in my thing. You know, at the time, um, <clears throat> yeah, like I was originally in, at like York U, here in Toronto, um, doing like economics and stuff, right? And then when when that postgrad program for like blockchain development popped up, you know, like Ethereum was in Goblin Town, um, <clears throat> and no one was really like interested in it. So uh, there, yeah, but at the same time, like you know, I think the people weren't that were interested in it were sort of like around my age, right? Um, so you know, there was like a cool mix. I think there was like a mix of. Um, people that were like you know in web 2 and then like a mix of people that were sort of like in a similar bucket to me um so i'd say like all in all there was like four people like my age but then you know the rest of it was like um probably older people 
<clears throat> in terms of how it was, like, you know, it was good. Uh, it, it was, like, definitely, like, learned a lot of stuff, and it was a good way for, for me, at least, to, like, you know, sort of, like, break into the industry, because, like, you meet a lot of the people who helped, like, make the curriculum. Um, there's a lot of smart, like, crypto folks in Toronto, you know? There's just, like, I think, like, in Canada is one of those places where, like, people come up with, like, really dope ideas, and then they just, like, leave. <laughs> um, but, you know, the people who helped make the curriculum were, like, some of the guys who, like, helped me get my foot into this, like, space um <clears throat> and then you know like covid happened and shit so it was just moved online right but uh you know like while it was in person you know it was like pretty dope yeah that's 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 great um so after you graduated what did you do between then and starting redacted did you contribute to any other projects yeah yeah um yeah so like i said like you know i think like i got my foot in the door from the space from you know uh meeting people who helped write the curriculum and were like teachers at that program right so um i was kind of like an intern at like a few different places um one of them is like yeah mostly like focused on like the DeFi analysis side uh like helping create grants programs and stuff like that um most probably like the one everyone knows is like sushi so was helping out with sushi on a few different initiatives um other than that like more formal stuff i think you know, uh, Conflux, which is, like, this, like, layer one out of China project. You know, I, I was kind of, like, actually just doing whatever I could, right? Like, whenever, like, an opportunity arose, I sort of, like, jumped on it. Um, I think that's, like, a good way for people that are, like, you know, maybe new to the space to, like, also approach things. Um, you know, not everything is going to be, like, of the most interest to you. But um, if an opportunity arises, you know, when DeFi first started, um, <clears throat> there wasn't all this, like, DAO tooling and, like, easy way for you to get connected. Um, with like some of the projects that were building cool stuff uh, so you really had to like get into the grits of things and like dive deep into the discord and like sort of prove yourself and stuff um, <clears throat> so I'd say it was like a mix of like bounty work and then you know like internships at first and then I think it didn't get really get too formal until like you know the Masari stuff um, where I was sort of like you know helping write like articles and doing like um, asset profiles and stuff like that awesome um, so moving on to, you know, how this, this space just moves so quickly. So we had L1 season, metaverse, NFT season, gaming season, home fork season, V token season. What do you think the next narrative is going to be? <clears throat> oh, it's getting straight into it. Eh? Um, what's my take for the next narrative is like, uh, immutability governance tokens which doesn't make any sense like when you say it out loud but i think like the next shift is like people um launching projects that just have no governance whatsoever and are just like systems that just like you know operate and just exist um i think we're gonna go towards the shift of like complete decentralization you know i think like um if we continue in this like downward trend in DeFi, like i think a lot of the garbage is gonna like filter out and we'll start to like finally be able to get the spotlight back onto like people who are building like really dope shit and <clears throat> from what i've like the conversations i've had with like people who are like you know building like really cool things i think like one trend that is not a trend yet that like everyone's looking to do is just like eliminate governance and make like completely immutable like you know DeFi systems um so it might be a bit of a hot take i think like you know the easy answer is probably mixing DeFi and metaverse stuff but um yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm pretty bullish on, like, the concept of people launching systems, like, without governance tokens in general. 
Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think personally, I think um, we're still a bit away from that, but we'll we'll hop back to the immutability part um, in in a, in a few minutes. Um, so let's let's dive deep into Redacted, and hopefully, all members of the audience today are familiar with Redacted and the benefits of the V token model and Curve Wars. But uh, for those that aren't familiar, could you please provide a two-minute summary? <clears throat> two-minute summary of the Curve Wars, yeah. Uh, okay, where do I start? You know, Curve is like this really interesting exchange. Um, sort of looks like a like a Honda Civic on the outside. And then on the inside, it's one of the most like complex engines that really is like the driving force behind DeFi, right? Um, <clears throat> I guess like the easiest way to explain it, you know, is like SushiSwap and some of these other DEXs and stuff, they sort of provide um, going beyond just like the algorithm and the way like Curve enforces peg for some stable coins. Uh, you know, other exchanges will provide you rewards for like early stage tokens and ones that are generating volume and sort of let you, you know, uh, kickstart your liquidity. With Curve, they went for a bit of an interesting model where users can essentially, you know, uh, talking a bit on the protocol side here, uh, users can lock up like their vote escrow tokens, <clears throat> or sorry, users can lock up their CRV tokens. And with the CRV tokens, you, you enable two things. One is if you lock it up for the full four-year extent, you get a 2.5x boost on your, your liquidity provision for whatever pool it is. And the second is you actually get to dictate like where the curve emissions go um, <clears throat> through this process of a gauge, right? So in different epochs, you're essentially voting as to where the curve emissions for that week are going towards. For a protocol, you know, for a liquidity provider, like obviously it's your best interest to point the rewards to like what you want to get into. But this is like one of the first instances of DAO-to-DAO um, <clears throat> -DAO interactions in DeFi, right? Curve was able to like crack this nut of like, how do we have our governance token have influence beyond our own ecosystem, right? And other protocols started to look at this and say, you know what, like for us, for whatever our interest is, like this makes a lot of sense for us to accumulate as an asset and lock it up and point the Curve awards to go towards our pool because Curve is the host of all this liquidity and it's like, you know, the backbone of DeFi. Um, <clears throat> beyond just like a regular dApp looking to like make their liquidity more, li uh, have more liquidity in their pool, uh, players like Yearn and StakeDAO and eventually Convex popped up which said like there, there's an opportunity here for us to like, you know, uh, boost our rewards on pools that we are like yield farming, right? Um, <clears throat> and lock up this CRV to like, you know, increase our revenue for our protocol, right? Um, that led to a lot of like, you know, uh, yeah, that led to like a lot of like drama, I guess you could say, where people were essentially like, you know, uh, trying to farm and dump like as much CRV as possible. I don't blame anyone for that, you know, like it was a good, like opportunity, right? Um, which sort of led to like the birth of like Convex, which is like, you know, the winners of the Curve Wars. Um, what Convex said and essentially was like, you know, uh, they created like this CRV wrapper where you can lock up your CRV, they turn it into VE Curve, and then you get back like a liquid wrapper. It doesn't have any like governance power or anything like that, but you get all the benefits of like the uh, boosted APYs and all that sort of stuff. And then the pools that Convex was offering was essentially say like, you know, it's boosted curve rewards, right? So you deposit your LP here and you get the 2.5X boost and you get the CRV rewards and you get extra convex rewards without you having to like lock up any, or without you having to even own 
any of the CRV. So that was like, you know, like clearly like a winner. Um, you know, they own a majority supply of the CRV. They lock up a majority even now, even till today, you know, like majority of CRV that gets minted, like goes straight to Convex and um, they basically just like took over Curve um, and they host most of the Curve liquidity. <clears throat> when it got really interesting was, you know, rather recently when um, protocols like us sort of came into play because Convex enabled voting, right? Um and Convex essentially said, like, you know, you can, like, now lock up your CVX and you can dictate, like, where the Convex rewards go and, like, the uh, with that being said, like, the curve rewards underneath it, right? So now it's, like, you... Now it's, like, protocols are fighting for the Convex because you get to dictate, like, two assets, right? Um, and it's starting to get, like, even hotter because Convex emissions are about to, like, slow down um, significantly where the curve emissions are going to go on for years and years and years, Um so protocols are like fighting like very hard right now to own up like to own as much CVX as possible because Convex is essentially going to turn into DeFi's first commodity, where there's barely anything circulating, but it has so much say over like everything in DeFi. Um, you might say like you know I don't need to own Convex because like the Convex emissions are ending, someone else will pop up or whatever. But Convex owns Curve, right? So by you locking up your CVX and you having to say what happens, like this is your only portal to access Curve, right? Um, <clears throat> and even going on beyond then, like, you know, they have like this whitelist and all these other like um, complexities that basically allow it to have like the 2.5x boost and make it a bit harder for other protocols to access that same thing and, and dictate what happens in the gauge. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll, we'll keep on diving into it, but I think that was like a, like a relatively good explanation of where we are today with the Curve Wars. Yeah, definitely. It's not an easy task to, uh, to summarize the Curve Wars, but I think you did it pretty well there. So just to double click on that, though, um, the benefits of the VE token model, would you say that, um, you know, the gauge is more important or, you know, being able to lock lock it for a while and actually be um, aligned with the protocol is a more important feature? <clears throat> yeah, this is this like the, the concept of like conviction voting has been like a topic of discussion in crypto since like Ethereum's early days, right? Um back when like you know they were deciding like when back when they were forming that the, the DAO, right um the infamous DAO, like the concept of conviction staking was always at play right and there was no way for you to really like uh, there was no way for uh, there was no protocols who really like cracked that nut i think like until curve right where they essentially told people to like put their money where their mouth is and if you really want to have a say in what happens in governance beyond like you know like regular DAO votes and stuff if you want to have a say what actually happens with the mechanics of the protocol and the emissions of it, then, you know, you have to lock up your gear curve, right? So I, I look at, like, V tokens as, like, the way to access, like, conviction governance in DeFi, um, which is something everyone's wanted for, like, a long time. Cool. So let's get into the redacted roadmap a little bit. Um, as I understand it, you're planning to break up the Butterfly token into two different tokens, GL Butterfly and BL Butterfly. So BL Butterfly is the retail product, which gives up meta governance votes for additional revenue. And GL Butterfly is the DAO product, which gives up revenue for governance power. Could you outline all the revenue streams planned for Redacted and how it'll be allocated to either GL Butterfly or BL Butterfly? Yeah. Um, so I guess like for, for a bit more context, you know, like Redacted sort of popped up and <clears throat> I think like, you know, when you try to do somewhat radical stuff 
um, in the space, like you often have to like learn as you go, right? Um, and one of the, the the clear problems was sort of like, you know, why would I not just buy and lock vanilla CVX? Um, because I get like, you know, one CVX for the price of one CVX, one CVX vote for the price of one CVX. And we are trading at um, this premium. And because of like our projections for like revenue that we're generating for bribes and all these other things, we probably will, it, it, the market would probably price in the expected uh, revenue generation into the treasury, which means we will probably trade at a premium for the foreseeable future. Um, and we have this, like, we have like this really cool um, niche we can tap into, which is essentially like, you know, um, butterfly can act as like this meta governance token, which allows protocols to, you know, like use the butterfly token to, to vote on um, behalf of their self-interests uh, across like a wide variety of things, not just like curving convex. But there's no way of doing that by just like locking up the butterfly token now and, and voting because, you know, like you, we're trading at like 2x or something. I don't know, 3x treasury right now. Um, <clears throat> so by locking, by creating like two different locking mechanics and essentially splitting up the butterfly into two different tranches, we're able to satisfy two different needs, right? Obviously, retail, um, all that matters to them the same way it does for any V token is like, how much money am I going to like extract out of this, which is like totally cool. Like that's the industry we play in. Um, so with, with, G, with BL butterfly, this has been renamed to RL to, to more fit. It's called revenue lock butterfly. Now, um, users are essentially like, you know, putting their butterfly in there and they say like, you know, we don't give a shit about like the governance or any of that sort of stuff. Like, you know, we just want to make money. Um, so they're putting their butterfly in there and they will be accessing the revenue we get from a wide variety of revenue streams. Right. Um, <clears throat> one of the ones we've put like a big highlight on just because it's coming up next is hidden hand which um, I see is like on the agenda, which we'll dive into, um, but it's essentially like Vodium for any vote escrow token, right? Um, what, you, which is, what you have with Hidden Hand is like, you know, projects like Ribbon and Balancer, all these guys who are launching vote escrow tokens, users can essentially lock them up, delegate the voting power to Hidden Hand, and then Hidden Hand acts as like this Vodium, which essentially like aggregates bribes and, you know, like uh, votes on governance, uh, accordingly to like you know get the most like bribe revenue out of it has a four uh, has like a four percent fee and two percent of it goes to the treasury and then two percent of it goes to the rl butterfly lockers another thing we're doing is like racket um which we'll dive into later but it's essentially like the, you know this like um perpetual long and short mechanism where users can like you know long and short uh butterfly token ohm token rebase tokens in general um efficiently without risk of liquidation that has a fee that goes to revenue lock butterfly. So, you know, you know, um, <clears throat> before I dive into like the governance lock one, I think like, you know, one thing that we noticed like since launch was um, a lot of DeFi projects like tried to tap into like the, the pillars of this space to like extract revenue. Like, you know, a lot of people make like yield farming on Aave easy essentially, right? Or they try and like, you know, launch a DEX or something and get the revenue to them. When, when Redacted came out, like, it was very clear that, like, you know, the, the, the layer that we were extracting value out of was, like, this governance layer, which is not really tapped into. And, you know, uh, the way you have to move in this industry is kind of like, we either tap into that or someone else is going to tap into it. And we have this head start now with the treasury that we have and, like, the, the developer talent we've been able to pick up since launch. And, you know, we plan to make the most out of it. You know, we are going to make the fundamentals and we're going to make the core pillars of, like, you know, governance value in this space. 
Um, so all these different products, the suite of dApps that we're launching that, you know, extracts value out of governance, the revenue that's generated out of that is what's flowing to like the revenue locked by the flight holders. Um, I see we have like most of these things on the agenda, so I won't like tap into them too much because we're talking about something else right now. Um, but yeah, you know, you lock up your tokens into Revenue Lock Butterfly. You say, I don't care about governance. Other people can have that. And we just want the revenue. Then what you have is like all these assets we have in the treasury, right? We have a bunch of CVX in terms of like DAO and CVX. We're like fighting for Badger between like the number two spot. Um, Toke, we're moving up like really quickly. I think we're like top eight now. Um, Frax, we just got the whitelist spot to vote in their gauge. So we have power to like vote um, on the Frax gauge. And, you know, we have all these assets in the treasury. We have, like, vote-swinging amounts of these assets, right? Obviously, like, you know, other projects, like, all want to use this, but they don't necessarily have the treasuries to be able to, like, make an impact the same way we have. Um, <clears throat> so use it, so DAOs can essentially take the butterfly and lock it up into GL butterfly, right? And what that gives you access to is the voting rights to the underlying assets within the treasury, Right. So if majority of the market decides that, like, you know, they want the revenue lock butterfly, which I'm sure it will, and they lock it into there, then what you have is like this one to 10 ratio of basically saying, like, you know, you get like 10x the amount of governance power of the treasury by just locking it into the governance lock one, which makes like voting um, with butterfly for different assets, like more efficient than locking up the vanilla tokens. Um, you feel free to like interject there. I know that was like a bunch of information. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get off mute there. Um, yeah, that, it's sweet, sweet to hear that um, you guys have the uh, whitelisted on Prax now. That's that's awesome. Um, so just diving it uh, deeper into the numbers a bit. So for simplicity, let's use some arbitrary numbers. Say one butterfly is currently worth a hundred dollars today, and I bonded you know ninety nine dollars worth of CVX. So now I have a hundred. Uh, I have one butterfly and the treasury has increased by $99 worth of CVX. So if I lock it to GL Butterfly, how do I calculate how many CVX worth of governance power I would have? And is it just CVX worth of governance power or other assets in the treasury too? Like how would that be broken apart? Yeah, I think the better way to look at it is to like take a step back and look at the treasury as a whole. Um... So what you're essentially doing is, you know, beyond the one-one aspect, beyond the bonding aspect, if you have your butterfly and you want to access the governance lock power, um, and you know, ten percent of supply is locked up into there, and we have a hundred million dollars in the treasury or something, right? Of CVX, FXS, Toke, etc. And let's use the example of like Vault here because I talked with Vault yesterday and I think they're really dope. Um, Vault is like a new, like you know, unpegged stable, whatever. They can explain it better than I can. Vault, you know, wants a Toke reactor. Vault wants convex awards on the thing. Vault wants to be in the Frax gauge. Vault wants to do a whole bunch of different things. They want a ribbon vault. They want Olympus Pro Bonds. They want what everyone wants in this space. And, you know, to them, <clears throat> instead of going out and acquiring all these different assets and making those different initiatives, for them, it's more simple to simply buy Butterfly, lock it up in the governance lock, which is why I label it as like a DAO-facing product. Um, lock it up into governance lock butterfly and then they have access to the governance power of all of those assets at like the 10x boost on assumption that like you know it's a nine to one ratio split of like where the butterfly is locked 
right? So <clears throat> for a hundred million dollars of governance power, they're essentially getting it for like you know like with ten mil like one dollar of butterfly equals like ten dollars of governance like governance votes across all those assets, right? And if they want just like the CVX, then you know they would have to make the calculation of what the current CVX holding is. Um, again, even at a nine to one ratio, like they're still getting you know at the way the current treasury set up like three three convex votes for the price of one okay um so, so since i locked into the gl butterfly does that mean that the new cvx added to the treasury won't increase revenues distributed to bl butterfly holders because like if it's 10 to 1 how like how much of that hundred million is then used to be able to, you know, uh, sell for bribes, if you will, or rent out for bribes? Yeah, none, none of it, right? None of it. That's why it's like, well, okay, I think I said this before. Like, we have to change the comms and stuff. Like, it's revenue locked butterfly now, right? So there's two sides like of the DAP in that sense, right? Um, the treasury, like, you know, if if for, we'll use Vault again in this example, is Vault is voting for themselves. There is no bribes, right? Think of like how Badger plays the convex game. Badger owns the convex and they vote for themselves. There is no bribes involved, right? So in that sense, like the treasury beyond like, you know, like obviously there's like an APY that's generated through like locking up convex and there's an APY that's generated by like putting your token into different reactors and stuff. You get access to that, obviously, right? Like, you know, the, the, the revenue that the treasury is generating. Um, but on the bribe layer, that essentially gets deprecated for... Um, this transition to letting DAOs like access the votes themselves, right? So you are getting the appreciation of the treasury, um, one through the value accrual mechanism that's sort of like built into this whole thing of like the underlying value of the treasury compared to the circulating supply of Butterfly and all the other dApps that we're launching. So like Hidden Hand, Racket, and then like, you know, Demev and some others, right? So you're essentially tapping into the revenue of that stuff that we're launching that sort of like plays in off of the treasury also. Got it. So is uh, is hundred percent of so I um some percentage, I think you said two percent goes to the treasury of the hidden hand revenue. Is the rest allocated to RL butterfly holders? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um we're working on like the like arbitrum deployment of it now because you know there's gonna be a ton of tokens sort of like flowing in, right? And we're not really in the business of like, you know, just dumping them and buying back Butterfly or whatever. Um, so what essentially like you'd be locking up your Butterfly into the revenue lock Butterfly, all the revenue that's getting accrued from like hidden hand or whatever is like sent to like the Arbitrum like instance of your address. Okay, got it. Um, so one of the problems having almost a liquidity pair is that during volatile times, it can take down Butterfly with it. And in response to that, the team came up with Racket. So as I understand it, Racket allows each butterfly holder or any holder of, of any rebase asset in the butterfly treasury to either 9-9, i.e. leverage long or short the token, um, which is essentially switching to stable coin-like position. Could you explain the mechan uh, mechanics behind it and the vision around the user experience? behind racket that's right yeah racket so <laughs> so everyone like you know like right now i guess like the sort of vertical that we're trying to play in i think like obviously you know we have like our 
um, implementation of it, we see like the value of PCV for different things than Olympus sees it. Um, and we're like a close partner of like Olympus, you know, we didn't want to like, yeah, like, you know, we're not, we didn't really launch this thing to like flip Olympus or whatever. Like, you know, we told them from day one, like, we want to do this with you guys. Um, they sort of like saw the vision and like we act as like the sub doubt to Olympus. Um, one of the things that we're doing is like helping their narrative of making Ohm a reserve currency. And we launched the token with a base pair of Ohm Butterfly. Um, <clears throat> and then Ohm did what it did. It was not like, <laughs> you know, like there was obviously like a market downturn and there was these like cascading liquidations and then, oh my God, why did Shada sell? And then all this sort of stuff, right? Um, and Ohm like dropped in price significantly. And because we are paired against Ohm in a sushi pool that's 50-50, like, you know, even without people selling the price of the token is just dropping, right? Um, so, you know, like, I think, like, Fuse is, like, a really dope tool. I think, like, you know, in general, it was, like, the market that was wrong um, for, like, you know, leveraging up the way they did. And I don't think anyone sort of foresaw, like, what could have happened, um, like, with these own liquidations and stuff. But uh, what comes with that is, like, the opportunity to capture more market share for us, right? Um, so instead of, like, you know, dwelling about it and, like, you know, realizing everyone's just going to get back into Fuse eventually, like, as Ohm comes back to life. Um, we're going to propose like a new sort of model for people to like safely leverage or safely like lever long or lever short on, on Ohm and Butterfly and eventually other assets, right? Um, and that this is what Racket is, right? So Racket is sort of our way of helping the general Ohm economy. Um, uh, what do they call it? Economy, whatever. Um, and like, you know, providing this like leverage long or leverage short position. So, you know, <clears throat> the, the quickest way to describe it is like in tumulus, like market conditions, like investors could like seek to deep, seek to dump like riskier assets for stable coins, right? However, like what happens is this causes like the price to drop sharply as like the liquidity dries up. So when you create like a permissionless shared long or soft, um, like a shared long using like a soft pegged short position stable pool, right? So we can create like a liquidation-free alternative to nine nine and neg and negative nine negative nine um, by basically creating like these derivative assets, um, rack and ket, hence racket. Um, <clears throat> it's pegged. It has like a soft peg to the frax price index, um, which is launching like really soon, um, and it uses like a gauge similar to those that, like you know, you're probably all familiar with to control like index weights. Um, <clears throat> okay D does that explain it well because i it's like still like a work in progress um it's like currently getting like a economic audit from like gauntlet and stuff but this is like how we're sort of approaching it i know it's like a very it's like a very complicated for those who like don't necessarily understand like perps and stuff like that so maybe talking about perps how is it different from perps Okay, I guess it's not too different from perps. It it the way it uses it is like instead of like creating a lending and borrowing market, which which trades again like which liquidates against the open market, leveraging like the treasury that we have, Olympus and us, we can create these like uh derivative products directly from the treasury, right? Using stuff like FPI and creating these soft pegs within the market, um, <clears throat> which essentially allow us as a DAO to introduce soft leverage and soft shorts into the market, which liquidate against our treasury, 
meaning that like you know omen butterfly don't feel the effects of like open selling on the market come time for liquidations so the same way that like you know the olympus proposed this notion of like a dow owning its liquidity instead of renting it we are going to start owning our leverage and owning our debt that the users are taking out rather than letting them control it on the open market okay and i guess protocol owned debt but i'll call it that pod and so that's why um, users would be able to stake the racket index. Is that right? So when you stake the racket index, you kind of take yeah, the other but, side of that bet? Yeah, exactly. But that's sort of like the stability mechanism and how it keeps its soft pack, right? Um, so that comes more down to like the mechanics of the tokens and how they act as the leverage, right? But yeah, like essentially, you know, you can stake them to sort of like, it, it works similar to like Liquidity's um, stability mechanism, if anyone's familiar is that any similar to how GLP works for GMX protocol? <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to sound really stupid right now and say, like, I haven't had the time to familiarize myself with GMX. <laughs> I don't know if stupid's the right word there, but fair enough. Um, how will, so how will usage of Racket affect redacted protocol revenue? <clears throat> Yeah, so liquidations are like a very frothy thing, right? Um, and in general, you, you know, like there's a lot of fees tied to like, you know, opening shorts and longs on projects um, <clears throat> within the space, not only from like the price appreciation point, but the underlying issuer uh, has like a lot of uh, upside in these sort of things, right? Um, <clears throat> so by making it a market that we own and we issue, you know, we can accrue fees from not only like these soft liquidations we're calling them, but also from like the minting and burning of these of these tokens, right? Which is done in the native asset, uh, which again like flows to like the revenue lock butterfly lockers. So to double the back, the fee mechanism like it's not a fixed fee, right? Like the the in order to maintain the peg, the fees sort of like uh, can deviate anywhere between zero point five percent to two percent, um, to make sure that we can enforce like you know current market conditions to. Yeah, to make sure that we can, like, you know, uh, weather, like, market conditions and make sure that um, we can, like, you know, handle, like, mass liquidation events. I'm not sure if I fully understood everything there because it definitely seems like a complicated product. Um, But um, let's, so if I wanted to take the other side of everyone nine-nining, that's when I would be staking the racket index. Is that right? Mm. No, no. So like you would find the like further incentives by locking up like the rack token, for example, or staking the rack token um, that enforces like the stability of the peg, right? There's two different tokens in it, right? Like there's the RAC token and there's the KET token. Right, the KT acts as the short, and the RAC acts as the long. Okay. Um, we have a lot of different questions to cover here, so I'm going to move on. Um, one problem many people are aware of regarding um, Ohm is the dilution to stakers due to bond discounts, and one of the solutions being discussed in the DAO is to move away from uh, bonding and instead use uh, instead leverage a variation of the Harburger tax. So how is user-determined discounts any different from bonds? 
is the main difference just the roadmap to immutability or are there other advantages there? <clears throat> yeah, there's two, right? So um, I guess like one is like, you know, for this path to immutability, the way it works for like Olympus and all its sort of like fork projects around it um, is there's like essentially like a policy team managing the, what they call the BCV, right? The, the bond control variable, um, which is like a DAO, not even a DAO determined thing. It is like a, it should be told it is a very centralized process of like, you know, protocols essentially deciding how much we want to own of one asset um, and can manage different levers behind the scenes, sort of allowing them to like, you know, increase discounts or lower discounts accordingly, right? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, one, we, like all projects, like we want to be more decentralized, more than decentralized, we want to like have no control over the system at all and um, just let it exist, right? Um, <clears throat> but, you know, secondly, I think like there's uh, this like interesting, like, you know, PVP nature, like of DeFi, right? Um, which Harbor Grid Taxes sort of address. And instead of like, you know, trying to hide it, like I think like we can embrace it and use it to our advantage. Um, so like leveraging like the Harbor Grid Tax model, what you're essentially doing is you have a fixed amount of butterfly going out, right? Um, this is like all in transition to the V2 where there's like a, like a fixed supply and stuff like that. And there's a predetermined amount of butterfly entering the market for one of these um, pulses. Uh, so let's say there's 100 butterfly going out in this pulse. Everyone knows there's 100 butterfly going out in this pulse. What you're essentially doing is like uh, users are fighting over the Harbinger tax that they're paying to own that 100 butterfly that's going to be emitted, right? So the user determined discount is essentially like the, the open market deciding how much they are willing to burn in order to get that butterfly. And the, the discounts are basically working down from 100% discount all the way down to like a 0% discount and potentially even negative. Right, if you if you imagine there's going to be upside uh, after the pulse, so yeah, does does that answer your question or not really? No, I I think it does. But just to clarify, then um, I guess the underlying assumption here is that the Harburger tax would um, end up with less dilution to stakers than ohm bonding. Would you agree with that? Well, I think in general, just moving to a cap supply and having being able to um, forecast the emissions that are going out, right, um, already like helps the dilution problem because like users are able to like determine how much is entering the market, right? Um, <clears throat> I think like in this sort of model, like you know, dilution is a problem for all DeFi projects, right? Not necessarily just on like you know most projects like operate um, in the red. Uh, in the sense that, like, you know, emissions are going out at a much bigger rate than the value being accrued to the underlying token um, or people that are staking it or even worse, locking it for, for lengthy periods of time. Um, I think, like, the reason people put such a big highlight on ohm dilution is because there's not necessarily a way for anyone to forecast how much ohm is entering the market at X date, right? Um, so in this like transition to, I guess, like a more like, you know, traditional mechanism of saying like X amount of butterflies entering the market at this specific date, you're able to at least like forecast what's entering the market. And then I think that's in general, just like a, a problem the whole industry has to address in the sense of like, you know, uh, being able to bring emissions down to a more conservative rate um, where dilution isn't such a concern. Yeah, definitely. I mean, transparent 
um, emissions and on a particular schedule will definitely help with, you know, folks looking to value it. But um, I guess just to, to circle back on, on, on the question, um, it should end up with less dilution, right? That's, that, that's the whole point of introducing this, correct? It should end up with market determined dilution, not not doubt, not uh, centralized dilution, right? Um, or rather, like you know, market play dilution. You know, there's a lot of like bots that play these like bonding games and stuff like that. Um, and in terms of like extreme volatility, which we will probably witness for the rest of the year, um, <clears throat> there's no real way for us to like you know really even say like what the dilution is because. There's, there'll be like a block where the discount could be 15%. And then at one point, like someone can bond X amount of CVX and then the, that goes to like zero basically, right? Um, so by us like making this transition to putting fixed amount of dilution out there, we're able to like, you know, further like uh, manage the fees of stuff like racket and hit hand to make sure that the revenue we're generating always outweighs the emissions that are entering the market, which eliminates the issue of dilution in the first place. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so in a previous interview, it was mentioned that this Harburger tax uh, system levers Butterfly's TVL versus the old bonding mechanism. Could you please elaborate on how it would lever the TVL? <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with uh, a model like this, right, I think... Um, we're starting to see it more with like fixed rate interest and stuff like that. Like, you know, people again, like I think the whole industry just getting smarter and starting to realize like, you know, um, fixed deposits are probably a more sustainable way to operate this, these kind of markets than, you know, variable rate interest. Um, <clears throat> which means with racket, we're probably going to fall into the same path with after we move away from like, you know, just ohm as like the, the beta product and get into other assets, like introducing soft leverage and, safe leverage on assets like CVX and CRV and assets of interest to us. Um, <clears throat> uh, what, what, that, what that is essentially saying is like, you know, if you use a deposits to CVX for like 16 weeks, let's use that perfect number, 16 weeks, uh, the DAO can get the governance power of that CVX while it's locked up. So if someone locks it up and they get like, you know, the rack token and they have like a lot levered long on CVX, uh, the DAO is able to still leverage the governance power of the CVX that's deposited there. And sort of acts as like this um, sidecar to the treasury, which gives governance locked butterfly holders even more um, governance power than before. So we can leverage the, we can ex basically extract as much governance power out of all the, uh, out of everything that's coming into the system as possible, right? So the CVX and CRV and all these different things um, still have the governance power for the GL butterfly lockers uh, while their levered long is like circulating in the market. So the, the leverage really comes from racket, not from the Harburger tax. Or did I misunderstand that? Yeah, yeah that, that's a racket thing, right? Like Harburger tax is, is, a, is an evolution of bonding per se. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So we've had so much innovation in DeFi and Redacted itself is just doing so many different things. Um, and so there's kind of the issue of how exactly do you value protocols, right? And each protocol, I think, does it a bit differently. So how would how would the redacted team, like investors of Butterfly, to value the token? I.e., like what what metrics should investor use investors use? 
So for example, right, stablecoin protocols may ask its investors to look at protocol revenue for stablecoin issued and absolute number of stablecoins issued, for example. Uh, you're on mute, Sammy. Oh, shit, my bad. Um, okay, what I was saying was like, yeah, I think like this is like a problem, like the whole industry faces like all the way down to Bitcoin, right? Like no one really knows like how to value these things. Um, <clears throat> I think like, again, we're going for something like a bit radical here. And while I think like, you know, RFV serves its purpose for different uh, mechanics of the protocol, I think like RFV in our case would be the thing that like most people point to, right? which is essentially like what is the underlying value, like what is the underlying value in the treasury? Um, but RFV is a flawed metric, especially in our case, because that is not risk-free value whatsoever. Um, that is risk on value, right? And <clears throat> it's not like it's even liquid anyways, you know, like you can't just like take the CVX and like, you know, like get access to it. even with own, like, you know, it's not like there's no way of enforcing a peg because like the, the assets like live within the treasury and they never exit, right? So it's not like a stable coin. So I think like, you know, the current answer for a lot of people, like, I guess, like how to value butterfly would be like the risk free value. Um, but then like, you know, in our case, like there's a whole bunch of like issues that pop up around that. I think like, um, I, I, I want to eventually look at our project, like more like how a TradFi company looks at it and look at the fundamentals, how much revenue are you generating, um, how much value flows per token per year. Uh, all that sort of stuff. But I think like in the long term, um, one thing that would be like so dope to me is if like, you know, eventually we find this market equilibrium and people start to value butterfly token. It, what is the underlying governance power that this, like, this token has um, across the whole space, which is not a measurable metric whatsoever at all, right? But um, I think like, you know, the end goal, of, like at least for me would be for the market to end up like pricing the token based on, you know, how much like CV, CVX votes, CRV votes, Tokyo votes, all that sort of stuff that it has and the influence that it has over like the whole space. I, I know that wasn't the answer you're looking for, but that's the answer I'm giving. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that that makes sense. And it's, it's it, I guess, it becomes even more difficult now that, you know, the token is going to be um, split up into GL and RL butterfly. Um, which, which makes for uh, like this, like interesting problem because like the, like I said, like one is a DAO facing product and the other one's a retail facing product, which means that there's two different players um, at stake valuing the token for different for different requirements, right? Um, yeah. the, the GL butterfly holders are valuing it at, at what I just said, like what is the underlying governance power that this holds? And the revenue lock butterfly holders are valuing it at a more, in a more traditional state, essentially looking at like what is the value accrual per token that we're getting like out of this project. Yeah, definitely. Um, would would definitely like to see, you know, that like, it, I guess for all of DeFi, it being more clear on how each protocol wants its its holders to value it, so that you know, um, the market gets more efficient in in valuing these tokens. But it's a it's, it's not an easy problem to solve. Um, looks like we have DCF intern here as well. Um, DCF intern, why don't you um, give a bit of an introduction on yourself and uh, and um, uh, go and and start with some questions on your end? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Liquid Monsters. Sorry about being late, guys. Uh, had some tech issues. Um, just a quick fact about me. I joined the space um, late last year, pretty much. And my first kind of foray into, into DeFi and the whole space was through DCF. I was doing some like freelance uh, research and writing for um, some news outlets. But yeah, basically got my start with um, DCF. And I guess we could just kind of dive straight into the questions, Sammy. Um, we have a few more questions around Redacted, and we'll just talk generally about uh, DeFi and then go into some audience Q&A. So uh, the first question that I had for you was, so um, you were talking about backing and risk-free value and whatnot. Um, and recently, Olympus has been looking for like a way to you know, enforce like a, and or defend their backing through their inverse bonds. But, you know, looking at your um, governance form, you guys are not, not choosing to do that. You guys aren't going down that route. And the mechanism that you guys chose to defend backing was to choose or to have dynamic emission rates where when the spot price of Butterfly, correct me if I'm wrong, if it goes below 25% of the, uh, the backing per token for an epoch or eight hours, then you guys would reduce the staking emissions um, linearly over like a week. But do you think, so I was looking at this and I was wondering, like, do you think this mechanism is like maybe too reliant on market participants being like rational? Do you yeah, think there yeah. could be like a sell-off, you know, prompted by the reduction in the reward weight, which is kind of what happened with Olympus, right? Yeah, 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 it is definitely, right? And um, personally, like, I'm of the opinion that like we should like not even try to like enforce any sort of peg because peg is, is, is a made up number in a lot of these projects. Right. Um, <clears throat> especially for us, like more than anyone for us, like, you know, there's no such thing as a peg, like treasury for us, like acts as, you know, like any other DeFi protocol treasury in a, in a weird way. Right. Um, there's no underlying collateral to the token, right. That, that doesn't, that doesn't exist for any of these things. Right. Um, and I think like that was because it was like so new and it was cause kind of like a radical concept at the time for Ohm. That was kind of like what people pointed to and olympus is trying to like like you know navigate away from this notion of rfv at the same time right um <clears throat> where is i going with this yeah I, I like you know that like that mechanism that we have in play is sort of just like a short-term stabilization mechanism that we have to make sure that the staking apy reduction um goes smoothly um and that it can like swiftly react to uh any like you know market conditions right um in general like you know like going into v2 and and honestly the vision from day one has sort of been to just like completely uh, dissolve this notion of risk-free value and um backing per token because it doesn't exist for anyone <laughs> there's no such thing as backing per token unless you're a stable coin and you can actually give someone that backing back <laughs> um like you know like uh, there's a lot of projects that like failed i guess like in our vertical um <clears throat> for whatever reason and they've in in their world they dropped below backing per token you know if we drop below backing per token like you know, like short answer is like you know we're not going to do anything like we 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 know what we're building and um like we're confident in the product that like we're putting out there and we know like where we're deriving value out of and it's not the backing per token right so you know right now let me look <clears throat> right now we're trading i guess like uh, if we were to look at it from a Wonderland perspective or like an own perspective, we're trading, I guess, 3x above Treasury, right? Um, <clears throat> which means like the value of to the value of Butterfly 
if we were to compare it to like another ohm fork, is 3x overvalued, right? Um, <clears throat> but I think like, you know, in general, like we've been able to like filter in a lot of like experienced market participants who sort of see things the same way as us and realize that this is not the right way to like value the token. And I think like a lot of people understand when I say that like if we ever do drop below the backing per token, like we're not gonna <laughs> enforce it whatsoever um, because we know where we're deriving value. And actually like for in the case of like GL Butterfly, for example, or RL, um, because of like the, the markets that we're tapping into, the, actually the most bullish thing that can happen is if it does drop below backing because then you're getting like 10 CVX votes for the price of one or something, right? So yeah. Yeah, I think that's an awesome answer. And I guess kind of going back to Liquid Monster's question earlier, where the treasury assets or the protocol control value doesn't really tell the full story. Um, but sorry, I don't want to kind of like repeat the question, but I, I was curious and I was meaning to ask you this. Do you think there's like a quantifiable like measure of kind of like the governance power that each butterfly like holds in you know convex and other tokens? Um, yeah, so I don't have any numbers on me right now but i guess like a, a quick and easy way to answer your question would be like what is the like um <clears throat> when you incorporate aspects of like boosts and uh vote lock like for example like we know we get more frax voting power per frax because ours is locked for like four years for example right so i guess like ours would be looking at like you know um how many frax votes convex votes toke votes cvx votes etc uh, do you get for like one butterfly, for example, compared to like locking the vanilla tokens up? Right, totally. I think I think that pretty much answers um, the question for that. Um, and I, I guess another thing that I was wondering was, you know, thin liquidity, shallow liquidity has been a point of concern and an issue for butterfly. And you guys are migrating to uh, Curve V2 and eventually the tripool with uh, Home and Eve, which should uh, theoretically address bulk of these issues but with the curve um liquidity i think it was sitting at like four million right now but is that the ideal figure that you guys are targeting for now or do you do you expect you know you guys to add more liquidity later on no no 100 yeah 100 we're adding more liquidity there's initial there's a kpi um internally to have 20 percent um liquidity to the market cap um <clears throat> which right now we're at 11 percent um so, yeah, I mean, there's a goal to, like, get it up to, like, 20% of, like, the market cap, like, at all times, right? Um, which is, like, very hard to do in Ohm, in Ohm's case, for example, because we actually, like, started building, like, a ton of liquidity. At one point, we were at, like, 25% liquidity to market cap, and then the drawdown happened, and you can't build that back because the underlying value of the liquidity pool was lost through rebases and uh, market deprecation, right? So... I think like transitioning to like ETH and stables, <laughs> like the normal stuff in this case is probably like the, the smarter play because we can probably yeah, like yeah. hit that KPI and like sustain it, right? Uh, because we owned all the liquidity again, right? So I think like, you know, um, with the curve pool, it's helping that mission. With the tri pool, um, it's more just a thing of like um, trading efficiency and um, <clears throat> helping the the underlying issue of liquidity, which is that the fact that like the butterfly in the LP is getting rebased. Um, <clears throat> and we have some other cool stuff with like fax and whatnot that we're launching. So all in all, like, you know, I think like if we can hit that, like, you know, target of like 20% liquidity to market cap, then we should be in a really good spot to like not be having like these like fucking 30% swings every day. Um, and it should help like the centralized exchange that can 
part as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and another question that I had regarding, you know, I think it was an under the same proposal. You guys said that you guys were going to mince the the butterfly uh, for the LP, right? Which would effectively dilute the the holders. And I'm pretty sure that you guys would have enough butterfly in your in your DAO wallet. Is there like a specific reason for this? Uh, actually, we don't like. Actually, like it's funny, the one asset that we have like the least amount of is butterfly <laughs> in the treasury. Um, well, not like compared to like the bribes and stuff like that, but like compared to like the assets of interest on CVX, CRV, and stuff like. The one we own the least of is, is Butterfly. Uh, so the reason we're doing that, right, is um, <clears throat> we could have just launched like LP bonds for that curve pool, for example. But then it comes back to that issue that we were talking about before where, <clears throat> you know, it, it comes down to this like uh, underlying problem with the whole space in general where there's like uh, unforeseen or unforecastable dilution with making like these LP bonds. And we want these LP, like we want this liquidity pool to be like really thick, right? Um, so what we're essentially doing is like, you know, instead of launching liquidity pool bonds and depending on the greater market to like let that liquidity flow to us, what we're going to be doing is keeping the ETH bonds on and then every ETH that gets like minted, uh, we'll be matching it with Butterfly instead of doing the liquidity pool bonds in general. So it's like uh, more of like fixed dilution than it would be like unpredictable dilution. And then once the LP bond reach, reaches like the internal threshold, then it'll get turned off. Cool. Um, yeah, just moving on. Um, yeah, the question was from one of the other uh, InterDAO members. And he was just wondering for other DAOs and projects looking to partner with Redacted, like what, what are some things that you look for? And specifically, I guess, outside of, um, you know, maybe the curve wars? Uh, I guess it depends, like, what the protocol is trying to do. But, you, know, you know, we're a pretty, like, flexible type of project. Like I said, like, I think there's, like, now um, two layers to DeFi being built. Like, one is, like, the the, the regular DeFi Aves and urines of the world and stuff like that. And then there's this sort of, like, layer that we're trying to establish of, you know, like, this, like, governance extractable value, right? Um, <clears throat> and I guess in that sense, like, you know, we can generally partner with anyone, right? So... Uh, not to bring up Vault again, but uh, just because like they're on my mind. But like you know, for Vault, for example, like there's a bunch of stuff we can do. Like for example, they they're obviously gonna want to make Vault like super liquid on Convex. So then there's options of until we get to V2, obviously like options of like OTC bribes and stuff like that to help get them more liquid. It's a way for us to like pull in assets into the treasury more efficiently and more predictable. Um, <clears throat> and then I guess like there's other ones, like. You know, like Hidden Hand, for example, like if you're launching a vote escrow token, like even if you don't partner with so they're probably just going to do it anyways. Um, so like, you know, it, I mean, there's a, like, there's a bunch of different ways, right? Like I think when, if you like believe in, the, if you have like the same conviction in like this layer of DeFi that we do, um, and everyone has governance the same way we do, then there's ways to like partner on, on a variety of different funds, um, going all the way from like bonding the asset, which would be the most extreme one, down to just like, a hidden hand integration, for example. Right. Um, sorry, I should have probably asked you this earlier, but I mean, I guess for me, the expansion for Redacted into, or partnerships with you know, Dopex, uh, Frax, and your seed investments in Curvents, like those make sense. But 
is there like a particular reason for you know um market xyz okay. or jones dow okay yeah, yeah okay i get the issue um yeah so for example like the the decision to branch away from just the curve wars i think that was like an issue of um dependency on one market for example um so looking out like we are like you know probably going to bond assets that will have influence again outside of their own ecosystem and assets that we know other projects like really want to be a part of example toke when they start working and dopex right um at frax for example <clears throat> and then i guess like the the second part of your question was um the seed investments right I, so the seed investments um truth be told are like more a thing of like market signaling than anything right um <clears throat> i think like one thing that's really important in this industry like as you try to establish yourself is like um telling like you know making sure the world knows that like you're a legit project and like projects want to work with you before they want to work with others and the fact that we're like leading the round or co-leading the round for like a lot of these projects that have like very hot um you know a lot of vcs wanted to get into jones style a lot of vcs wanted to get into Curvents and the fact that they're coming to us and saying like we want you to own our token supply um, says a lot to the market in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, obviously, we're gonna make like a ton of money on that stuff and like you know I mean this is just how like seed rounds go and stuff like you know it's it's, it's obvious like from a financial perspective that it's a, like it's a no brainer. Jones Dow is like a way for us to like get more entwined with the Dopex ecosystem. Curvents is a way for us to like keep building on the curve and convex narrative. Um, but the, the the truth of it is, like, it's a market signaling thing, right? Like, it shows the market that, like, you know, <clears throat> Curvens is a great example of this. Like, you know, Curvens kind of needs to work with us if they want to make their convex initiatives, like, a thing, right? Like, they sort of need to partner with us, um, which is, I think, like, speaks, like, very loudly to the market if you view it the same way we do. Oh yeah, for sure. Sorry if I if I put you on the spot. You know, I was I was just wondering because, you know, I was looking at your again your governance form and there was a proposal for you know changing like the delegation process um, on Votium where, you know, you guys want to take all your like bribe rewards or sorry just rewards, and pretty much excel all that and allocate that into you know convex and frax and whatnot, right? So you know thirty percent of the bribes to like Alchemex, Spell, and Origin token like. Those aren't like too important in for like redacted and the proposal was talking about, Hey, like we should sell these off for more important assets that, you know, the, the uh, protocol can build, build upon. So I was just kind of wondering if, you know, if it was just, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I see what you're trying to get me to say here in terms. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, no. You're not you putting me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, it's like, it's a fair point. I think, um, I'm voting no on that proposal. Like it's a, you know, the DAO can propose whatever it wants. Like, um, <clears throat> I think like I'll vote no on that proposal. I think actually like the best way for us to proceed is at least like until we pass over the meta governance rates of the treasury to the holders, the best thing for us would to do would actually be to partner with another project and do OTC, OTC bribes, right? Um, so we've talked with like a bunch of different projects um, the ones like I'm most interested in is like stablecoin ones. So, you know, partnering with like let's use <clears throat> let's use Tribe here. You know, Tribe probably wants to make like D3 more liquid. Um, <clears throat> so you know they can like work out a deal with us for the next four convex rounds. You know, you will get X amount of faith, and then we can use that faith to like farm more convex or whatever. 
and then we're not getting all these like unrelevant assets in the treasury um, that we don't really need, or, you know, we could be getting more capital efficiency out of other assets. Um, so I think like, you know, the, the best path forward, which we're like trying to work out like the deal now with a few projects is in OTC bribe situation until V2 when the meta governance gets passed to the GL butterfly. Yeah, totally. That, that makes sense. And sorry for putting you on the spot. It was just something I was personally curious about. Um, yeah, just moving on to the next question. We kind of touched on this already, but, you know, you, you were talking about wanting to, you know, diversify your revenue sources beyond just the curve war. Um, so I guess like long-term wise, I guess in three or four years, I know that's not really long-term, but in crypto it is. What do you think will be like the biggest contributors to um, Redacted's protocol revenue? Do you think it'll still be curve wars or do you... You uh, hope that there will be other avenues that kind of take over. Okay, I'll give you like a weird answer. I think like the best thing that can happen for Redacted is like the market accepting that um, governance is kind of like smoke and mirrors and realizing that like, you know, the, the true value of governance is like the revenue that you can, uh, like you can, ex- that you can extract out of it. Um, I think like from a greater market perspective, that's the best thing that can happen for us. Um, and more people sort of like acknowledging that and building on top of it, right? Because um, that only helps our narrative and it helps place us as like a leader in that sense. Um, for a less weird answer, I think like, yeah, I think uh, more projects like going towards like the vote escrow token and sort of cracking that nut for themselves is probably like a good like short term solution, um, which a lot of projects are doing and we're trying to like be at the forefront of with like hidden hand and stuff. Um, you know, that just opens up the doors for us to like tap into a lot of different, like maybe perhaps like uncorrelated markets, um, and not just like depend on, on one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for the last question regarding, um, redacted, I guess I'll just kind of give you a, give you an opportunity to, to pitch your team, I guess, or give a little spiel. Uh, how big is the team right now? And are there any like roles that you guys are hiring for? The team. Yeah, the team's like 25 people deep, I'd say. Um, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, I think like, yeah, I think like, you know, we probably like, I think we, we recognize um, in the infancy, in the infancy of a project, like you probably need people um, sort of leading different initiatives and um, they need to be like fairly compensated for it um, because like one, you know, they could just go like launch a scam or whatever and probably make a lot more money. And two, like, you know, like these, what's going to start happening this year, I think, is like a lot of institutions are going to come to play and they're going to start seeing Silicon Valley pays and like, you know, perhaps like leave DeFi in the ditch, which no one, none of us want um, <clears throat> these core contributors I'm talking about. So I think like by establishing like a core like team of like 25 people, um, we're in like a really good spot to like hit all the different needs of like um, what needs to happen in the next few months. Um, <clears throat> in terms of like what we're still hiring for, I think like this is an obvious answer, like probably like devs is like, you know, <laughs> I think like every project needs more devs and stuff. Um, I see like KP's in the crowd, shout out KP. He's like our, he's like our um, king dev. But uh yeah, I mean, like, you know, other than devs, I think, like, one thing we want to do is set up, like, a committee of BD uh, business developers for Hidden Hand so that, like, we can make the process easier for other projects and sort of, like, deploy this, like, committee of people to, like, go source bribes for, like, other tokens. Okay, maybe maybe more context for that. Like, you know, Olympus Pro, um, 
one reason that everyone uses Olympus Pro instead of like doing their own thing is because projects don't know how to manage the bonds, the bonding parameters. <laughs> so projects are like willing to pay this fee in order for someone else to like take that off of them. This is like how the world works. Like, you know, middlemen do everything. Um, so for us, you know, Hidden Hand is kind of like our Olympus Pro in a weird way. And um, I think like one way we can make it easier for projects to like accelerate their Vodasco efforts and get more projects signed up and more importantly, like kill off any potential competition is to sort of like develop this like group of like really strong business developers, which like go out and like source the bribes for like a lot of these projects that like, you know, helps the, the token holders and stuff. So that's like the new hiring effort is like setting up this committee. Yeah, awesome. I think that's a, that's a great answer. Um, yeah, I guess kind of just moving on generally, I think we talked about Redacted uh, enough. Um, what do you, do you have any like advice for, you know, the degen traders um, and the on-chain, you know, the degens for, for, you know, the next few months as the market gets like even more choppy? Um, truth be told, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think there's like a lot of like noise in the space and, we had to spend, like for us, for example, like, you know, we launched at like a really good time, but we had to spend like a lot of efforts just like telling the market, like, you know, we're actually trying to do something here. Like, we're not like some like scam or whatever. I think like because of the vertical we chose to build in, like people maybe made that assumption of us. Um, but I think if we were to launch now, for example, when the market's like down, we probably would have been able to like spend those resources elsewhere because what's going to happen is like, you know, the people that are only in it for the money are going to like, uh, filter out because there's probably money to be made elsewhere um, and we'll start to see like a lot of people that are like actually in it for the tech let's say um, start to <coughs> start to launch stuff right um, so I think in general in terms of like the whole the whole industry like being able to like move on or at least like handle any like extreme like volatility like price wise it'll be easier at least to like navigate through the newer projects if that's sort of your thing, because like, at least like if someone's launching at this time, like I know they're like super committed to like this idea and like perhaps they're like us and not really thinking about what happens in like the the span of like a few months, but more thinking like the, the bigger picture. PCF, maybe in the interest of time, uh, one or two more questions before we move to audience Q and A. Yeah, sure. Um... We can definitely skip a few questions. Um, okay, so, you know, even though Redacted is pivoting away from, you know, the rebase, the Olympus model with uh, V2, do you still think there's kind of a place for that model uh, in the DeFi space? And I ask that even, even with, you know, most of the forks kind of dying out. Yeah, I, I think like Olympus, like there's a need for it for Olympus, you know, like... Um they obviously like felt the effect of like forks and stuff um in terms of like hurting their their growth um <clears throat> i think like you know their model works for them you know they want to be this reserve currency um in theory and in practice to be honest like you know uh, obviously there's like extreme volatility nowadays but the, the the general concept like makes complete sense you know um in terms of like how they manage dilution through rebases and all these different things um i think like the model works for olympus so uh you know if you're like launching things for and even like i think like in our v1 like it makes sense for us too because like you know we wanted to like scale extremely quickly and this was a model for us to like extreme scale up and like you know 
get the assets that we wanted and place ourselves uh, in a position where like, you know, no matter what happens with the market, like no one can tell us anything like, you know, we own this, this much. <laughs> we own these assets like we're here forever. Um, so I think like, you know, it works for like really early stage DeFi projects and Olympus. Um, I think, you know, most projects should probably shift away from like uh, farming their liquidity pool and start owning it in general. I think that's like something people don't give like a lot of credit to Olympus to. Um, other assets, like unless it's in, unless that's like a really big focus for you, like the same way it is for us. Like, I don't think there's really a need for someone to launch like an own fork nowadays. I think like through all of this, we've been able to see like what, the model serves um and what the model is good for and i think like you know like olympus should continue to like do what it does best in that sense right yeah for sure i mean i think as you said protocol and liquidity is really important and i guess for bootstrapping treasury early on for a lot of these early projects it might still it, it'll probably stay um relevant for sure um and i guess we have time for one more question uh before the q a so do you think, after managing like a 25-person team, do you think the DAO model is efficient? Or do you, would you have, if you could start over again, would you create Redacted under, you know, a company? <clears throat> uh, I mean, for us, like the, the whole model doesn't work without a token, right? Like Butterfly is like a core piece of like how the, <laughs> the whole protocol works, right? So it, it branches off, like for us, it branches away a bit from just like governance, I guess. But I think like a lot of projects should like not launch a DAO. I think like there's a lot of flaws with like governance and DAOs and stuff. And I don't think like as an industry, we're mature enough to like really do a DAO properly. Um, anyone who has like a really dope DAO actually doesn't even have a token, you know? Um, like, you know, like uh, who who will I mention here? Neptune, like Neptune DAO. You know, those guys get shit done and like they don't have a token and they don't have to worry about like, you know, people who don't know what they're talking about, like, coming in and like making decisions and stuff and like you know what's going to happen with like most of these DAOs is like the, the people are going to like put up like very short-term thinking proposals um which hurt actually like the growth of the project you know like it infuriates me when i see like projects have to like sacrifice like so much of what they built to like do like shitty like buybacks and burns and all this sort of stuff like you know <clears throat> people need to stop thinking so short-term and i think like what the DAO has like sort of brought to the market is like a way for like these like short-term thinkers to like extract as much value out of the token as they can in the short term and not really like try and help see the mission through so while i get the narrative of like being decentralized and stuff like that i think there's like there's probably like better ways to do it you know i think like the community should probably only vote on i, I wonder what like other people think about this you know like i think like for me like the ideal solution like obviously we're not going to do it um because of like one, regulations, two, I guess, like, you know, like, this is not what the community wants, and three, um, <clears throat> it's probably not the best way to, like, navigate the industry at the moment, but I think, like, most projects should, like, be confident in what they shipped, and perhaps, like, only let the community vote on, like, major things, or just have no governance at all, you know? I think, like, my favorite projects are Reflexor and Liquidy, um, because they know what they built, you know? Their system works. I think like there's issues like the stability mech like stability pool rewards running out and stuff like that. But you know, like these guys know they built like a solid system and they don't need like governance coming in and saying like, hey, like let's go buy back all the LQTY and uh burn it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that 
an answer is, is really great. I, I guess what I was asking was more towards it wasn't really like token versus no token, but yeah, it was like DAO versus I guess like the decentralized like governance model versus like yeah. Well, I mean, like, the thing model. is, like you know, like so you, you people like make fun of like 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 uh, Maker and Compound and stuff like that, and like they chose to like do the DAO model and like stick to it like really really hard, and now it takes like three months to like even pass something through Maker, right? Um, which was the birth of like all these stable coins because people realized like you know when you when you focus on I guess like governance like so much like you essentially like sacrifice your your ability to like navigate this industry at the speed that you need to right so um, there's an issue with like how fast we're growing as an industry compared to like how slow governance is in general yeah awesome. Um, I think we can move on to audience Q&A now. Uh, Liquid, do you want to run this? Sure. Um, I see we have Jack D. God. Um, I'll be approving that request now. And if anybody else would like to speak, please uh, hit the request button at the bottom left. All right, Jack D. God, you are on. Hey guys, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Yes, oh, thanks. Can. Thanks for putting me up on the space. Uh, thanks for, uh, all I can say is thanks for hosting the space. Uh, I'm a long-term investor in both Ohm and Redopted as well. I think you guys are really smart and the stuff that it, you guys are doing in this space is totally phenomenal. And to the last answer that you gave for the DAO, I totally agree. I don't necessarily believe in the DAO model because the motivations and the incentives of the founders and the DGENs are not really aligned in the structure. So I'll quickly get to my question. Now, I, I was totally drawn to Redacted because of the curve convex model in itself. But have you guys considered what's going on in Phantom where the curve wars or the bribes have only started to begin with Beethoven, Liquid Driver, Spirit, and those sort of tokens. Have you considered going yeah, into that yeah. chain? Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Phantom, Arbitrum. There's a bunch of chains that like we're really interested in. I think um, <clears throat> it's important to like plant our flag on ecosystems that we like value now um, before perhaps like they get to the stage that Curve or Convex is at. Um, <clears throat> one of the like issues that's like been, and I think the reason I say that is because I think like Phantom will get there. Like clearly, they're like an ecosystem that has like the same uh, values or vision, I guess, for DeFi the same way we do. Um, the issue has been how do we issue a native like rebasing token on another chain, um, <clears throat> which is part of the reason why with V2 um, there's a number of rebases because like while I think like the rebases serve like a really good purpose. Um, <clears throat> you can't like I can't like we can't like go and mint butterfly on like phantom because there's a uh, underlying problem with like cross chain messaging which essentially wouldn't allow the token to like rebase on that chain. Um, <clears throat> and if we were to issue WX butterfly, then that's even like that's like another issue because like you know we like we're still like minting butterfly right now um, for other more important issues like you know the liquidity and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so I think like you know we. Like we've actually we talk about this like at least once a week as a team of like how we can like get to 
another chain. I think like one of the really dope projects like building right now is like Layer Zero, if anyone's familiar. Um, sort of like this like omni chain that lives beneath that has like really dope like cross chain messaging between different layer ones. And if the token was like deployed there, for example, like we'd be able to like come to Phantom really easily, right? Um, <clears throat> the, the, so the short answer to your question is like the quick way we're addressing it is through hidden hand so that we can like, you know, come to like any protocol that we want, like really quickly and efficiently. Um, <clears throat> but the long term, in terms of like, you know, accruing these tokens to the treasury, uh, through bonding or like the Harbinger tax, for example, like it's a, it's a nut still to be cracked from a security and efficiency perspective. Fair enough. Thanks. Thanks. But uh, just last question, follow-up question. What do you think about the overall phantom chain, considering the TVL there is and how the market share has been taken from Ethereum in the past year and how the phantom has grown? <clears throat> yeah, I think phantom's dope. Um, if we could deploy there today, like we would. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, like phantom's dope. <laughs> Cool. Stuff. I, I use it all the time because that's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Jack. Great. Um, so we'll give another 10 seconds or so here for anybody to request to be a speaker. And in the meantime, I'll just uh, give a little plug for Intern DAO. So for, for those unfamiliar with Intern DAO, we're a group of interns with diverse experiences whose mission is to have fun, share alpha, and build a decentralized future with friends. Personally, it's the best Discord group I've seen to date and feel grateful to be a part of it. And if you'd like to join this collective of incredibly talented people, check out the pinned tweet on Internet's profile. Sami, it was absolutely awesome to get to talk to you. You're a great speaker, really clear when you're, when you're talking. And uh, just huge kudos to the entire Redacted team for building this incredible project. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. Doesn't look like we have any uh, any speakers for now. So again, thank you all for attending and really appreciate it, Sammy. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you guys for having me.